Welcome to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. You can find us in Germantown Hills, Illinois, right off of Route 116, or on the web at greatoakscc.org. We come together to worship and learn every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. Come, take your next step towards God together with us. We begin next week a new series on Habakkuk. Maybe a book if you've read last week, right? Yeah, it's one of our favorite passages in Scripture. We're going to do one uh, actually back-to-back, a series for three weeks on Habakkuk. It's only three chapters. We'll be looking at that. And then we're going to follow up with a really short book uh, called Philemon in the New Testament, another three-week series. And so looking at two very short passages and uh, looking at God's Word, what it has to say. We continue today or finish up a series called uh, uh, Food for the Soul and looking at the whole thing of why God's Word should be in our lives. That why God wants us to, uh, as we talked about the first week, eat this book, consume it, be a part of our lives last week, uh, do it on a regular basis because we need it fresh. And today we're going to talk about the whole thing of uh, how this, this book is sweeter than honey. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm glad that last week is over with. Because I did not grow up, as most of you know, in this area, and I had never experienced minus temperatures until I moved here. And then we experienced the ultimate. They, got, they tell me, actually, two, on Thursday, we broke a record, minus 21. And I thought, man, that is ridiculous. And then Chris, in the office that day, Chris says, hey, man, you know, I'll go out and try my new tent out. You know, I'm going, you're going out in a tent in minus 21, you know, and I'm going like, you're nuts. And I just tell my staff that all the time, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, this is not the kind of stuff I want to do. So today I'm going to talk about stuff that's sweet and stuff that's warm. To kind of get us past, get us past this past week because that's what we want to talk about. Now, I don't know about you guys, but nothing to me as far as I eat that's better than dessert. You know, dessert is like the ultimate thing that I love to do. Now, if you're not a dessert eater, just get up and go. No, don't do that. But uh, most of us like some kind of dessert, some kind of a thing that's a treat, something that we really love. And growing up, it was interesting because in our family with my, my three sisters who were younger and myself, when we had a birthday, our mom would always say, what is your favorite dessert and what would you want me to fix? It was never a cake for me. It was always for the first few years, it was something called cherry crunch. You know what cherry crunch is? Man, it's cherry crunch. Woo, it's good stuff. Because, you know, it was like this cake stuff. and I mean, it's not cakey stuff, but it's like it had nuts in it and cherries. And it was like, like a, I don't know, it's like a cobbler on steroids. It's kind of what it was. And, um, and so I would love that for years until in my teen years, mom started making this thing called chocolate delight. Now, chocolate delight is like a pudding and chocolates and layers of, all, I don't know what's in there, but man, it is good. It's good stuff. And then I didn't really discover, you know, those things. I've always had some favorite desserts. And then a few years ago, about three years ago, uh, some friends of ours took us on a trip with them down to a condo they have down in uh, Marco Island down in Florida, southern Florida, near Fort, uh, Fort Myers. And right between Fort Myers or kind of down that area and, and Marco Island, there was a restaurant they took us to. And, and we went there and, man, I'm going like, it was a dessert heaven because this place called the Blue Heron. And... um it's not a cheap place to go, but the thing that's really cool about the Blue Heron is when you go there, appetizers, entree, and dessert is all included. And I want to tell you, by the time you get to dessert after you've eaten the first part, you're going like, there's no way I'm going to eat dessert. And they bring it, and it's all homemade, and it's huge. And I've eaten there a couple times, and both times I ate different stuff. And I'm going like, I don't even know what it was, but it was good. 
So when I think about ultimate desserts, I think about that. So this morning, uh, we have uh, crowd participation. This is not hard, okay? So if you're sitting next to somebody you want to talk to, if you don't want to talk to them, don't talk to them. But um, if you like to talk to them, here's the the question this morning to talk to somebody else. This is a little more fellowship time here. Uh, Tell them what your favorite dessert is, okay? Go. Okay, I couldn't get the first, the, the last service, I couldn't get them to shut up. I mean, I literally told, told them, be quiet! And because they just kept talking after I started talking again. So anyway, uh, you know, no problem talking about our favorite dessert because it's not a really deep thought. But uh, uh, it may be a delicious thought, but not a deep thought. So uh, that's what we're talking about. Let me ask you a question this morning. And it goes along with what we already talked about. If the Bible were a food... For you personally, what would it be? If you were to describe the Bible as a food, would it be like uh, broccoli or peas or Brussels sprouts, spinach? I mean, something you know that's good for you, but, but, you, but you, you really don't like it a whole lot. You know, whatever that food is, it's good for you, but you don't like it a whole lot, but you eat it anyway. Is that the way you would describe the Bible as a food? Or is the Bible to you more of a dessert? Is it something sweet, something that we really desire like we do dessert? I mean, some of you right now are just thinking, I mean, you've already got lost. I've lost you for the day because you're thinking about your dessert. You're thinking about how you can get the dessert. You know, I can't go to Fort Myers this afternoon, but, you know, I'd love to. But the thing is, is uh, the thing is, is the Bible wants us, God wants us to, to understand and to desire his word. As much as we do a dessert that's just delicious, something that we want to desire. And this morning we're going to talk about how to do that, how God takes us to that place. Now, it's interesting in studying this week, there's a, uh, in studying different traditions and different uh, backgrounds of different religious groups, one particularly, we come out of a, what we call a Judeo-Christian background, Jewish uh, and Christian. And the background of that is, back, it's interesting that the Jewish people celebrate a holiday that's seven weeks after Passover. It's called Shavuot. Shavuot. I don't know if I pronounced that right or not, but you don't know anyway. So it really doesn't matter. <laughs> Like Habakkuk. I mean, how do you know how to pronounce that? You just kind of like, you know, get some things and throw them out there. But uh, Shavuot was, uh, is, is, is a thing that's celebrated seven weeks after, after Passover. So this year it's going to be celebrated on May 29th. And what it commemorates and what it celebrates is the giving, God giving his, his word, the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament to the, to, to the Jewish people. God actually giving it to them in a tangible way. And there's all kind of ancient customs and different things that some of them they don't practice anymore, but some of them uh, they do. But one of the ancient customs that's no longer practiced, I don't believe, uh, part of the ancient custom of Shavuot was uh, to introduce Jewish boys to the reading of Scripture. And in doing so, what they would do is they would wrap the child in a prayer shawl and they would take him to the rabbi, the teacher. And once the boy was brought to the rabbi, the rabbi would show him a slate, a piece of slate, like the old chalkboards, but a piece of it. 
And written on that piece of slate would be some scripture verses and this phrase. May the Torah be your occupation. May God's word be your occupation, that which you do with your life. And then the rabbi would read out loud every word on the slate, and then the child would repeat it. And then the rabbi did the really strange part of the whole ceremony. What he would do is he would literally coat the slate in honey. And then he would allow the child to lick the honey off the slate. You're going, ew, that's nasty. Well, it may not be, but see, in that day, honey was considered a delicacy. It was the sweetest thing that's, you know, possibly, it's like the best dessert. It would be like me taking a Bible, my child's Bible, and dipping it in chocolate, you know, and going, here, eat it. And, you know, giving permission to do something like that. The reason for it, of course, is to teach that God's word is so sweet, so powerful, that they would connect this, the sweetness of God's word and, and actually consuming God's word. In Psalm 119, 103, it says this, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. That was a literal, the thing in Shavuot they would do with these kids were actually a literal type of way of getting that verse into their lives. See, God wants, God's intention is not for the Bible to be like broccoli or peas or whatever you don't like, but you eat it anyway because you know it's good for you. God wants his word to be sweet, to be like dessert, to be something that we desire more than anything. Now, if you've been with us this entire series, you remember the words we talked about last week and, and a couple of weeks ago, and actually last week's sermon came from it, where Jesus says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. And if you think about the word word up there, the interesting thing about the language that this was originally written in Greek, uh, the, the words sometimes have multiple meanings. There's multiple ways you can translate the word word. We have in English the word word, but there's a, there was a couple of different words that mean a lot to us and help us to understand what God means, uh, what Jesus was meaning by this whole thing of not living by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, the first word that, that's the Greek word that's used to translate word is the word logos. You may have heard that word before, logos. Uh, maybe sounds like logic. But the issue there is this, is that it's not like Mr. Spock logic, you can like live long and prosper. But, uh, it's, uh, but, but it's the whole thing of, 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 of uh, the Bible is basically this, it's God's unique expression of God's heart and mind. It's the written word of God. It's that which we have that's a tangible written expression of who God is. That's what the word logos means. But there's a second de definition, a second word uh, that's translated word in, uh, that's uh, Greek, and that's the word rima. Rima. Now, the word rima is different than the word logos. It's still, if you see it in English, it's still translated word. But the issue here, it's not just God's word that's written down, God's unique ex expression of God's heart and mind written on paper. But what it is, is rima is, is, is when someone speaks directly to a person. It's that word which becomes personal. That word which is more than just words on paper. Now, to understand what Jesus was talking about when he said, you know... That your word, uh, that we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He was not talking about just the Logos word. That's where it starts. But he was also talking about the Rima word, the word that becomes personal in our lives. 
And for, God, for God's word to become something that we desire and that we taste, and it, it's sweet like honey, it's like a dessert, we have to get, go beyond the Logos word over to the Rima word. And you're going like, oh, I'm confused. Let me describe it to you for a moment, okay? Let me talk about what that means. See, so for some people, the Bible is never personal. For some people, it's only Logos. It's only just God's written word. It's like a textbook that we read. And we never get to the place where it becomes a personal part of our lives. It's kind of more or less uh, religious data. Uh, they know it, they believe it, but it's nothing that makes them think, oh, that's sweet, that's like dessert, something I desire. Just kind of like reading a textbook. But on the other hand, I wonder how many of us have had the experience of Rima, of some word becoming personal, but we don't even know it. I, I know we all have experience of this because I've heard you say it before. You're going like, no, you haven't. Yes, I have. No, you ha- Yes, I have. Okay, I'll tell you why. Because I've heard these statements like, you know, somebody will say to me after they've heard a song, they're going like, man, the words of that song meant so much to me. See, the words of that song, the logos of that song became Rima. It became real, personal to you. You know, or or there was a moment in that movie or that video that I really connected with. You know, it becomes personal. Or for a communicator, a pastor who speaks all the time, here's the words we like to hear. You know, people say this going out the door. Well, the words in the message today, it was it was like they were directed to me personally. And when we hear those things, that is the logos, the word, the written word becoming real. In our lives. That is Logos becoming Rima. Does that make sense? If it doesn't, let me, let me uh, talk to you a little bit more about that. Let me give you an example, a scriptural example. For instance, in, in Ephesians 2.10, it says this. It says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, the Logos word, the, the revealed word of God, that which, um, in, a, is in a sense, as God is saying to all of us here in general is this, is that God explains to me that every person especially, is especially crafted and created by God to do good works. And he prepared in advance, and, and, and he did it so that we can make a difference in the world. That is the Logos. That's the general expression of God, the, the heart of God in that verse. But the personal expression of that, the Rima expression of the word, that which becomes personal to me, is when I read that and I apply it to my life and I understand it. You know what that verse means to me personally? Over the years, I've, this is a special verse to me because what it said to me is this, that God has given me some gifts and abilities, the ability to communicate, the ability to lead, the ability to counsel, And God has given those to me, and he has a plan in my life personally that I would take those gifts and that I would use them to make a difference for him in this world. That's when the Logos, the the word that's God's expression to us, becomes personal in our life. And when it becomes personal in your life, guess what happens? It becomes sweet. It becomes like a dessert to us. It's something we desire when we see God's word, you know, lived out and fleshed out. In our lives. Now, so that, that verse, how sweet are your words to my, to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth, is God's desire for us. The problem is sometimes, and I have to give you a caution here because sometimes we misunderstand that. There's some people 
who have the wrong idea about these words, Rima and Logos, and they overemphasize one over the other. We need to have both in our lives. For instance, there's some people who've adopted what I call a Rima mindset. They're always looking every day for, for a word from God. You know, it's kind of like they play what I call Bible roulette. You know what Bible roulette is? Bible roulette, it's this. You know, they don't read the God just to, the Bible just to understand God's general revelation so they learn how to apply it to their life. What they're doing is that it's kind of like, I want the word from the day, God. And so they do this. They go, <clears throat> okay, God, I'm ready. Close their eyes. Flip open the Bible. Don't really look too much. And then they go, okay. And whatever verse they come to becomes their verse of the day. They just take it personally. Now, there's some danger in that. Let me give you an extreme example, okay? Extreme example in Scripture. What if you turn and you did that, you played Bible roulette, and you said, God, I want your word for today. And you happen to be the first verse you turned to was Matthew 27, 5, which says, and Judas went and hanged himself. (laughs) You're going, uh, your next response might be, well, God, you know, I, I don't really understand that as my word for the day. So I need some some further revelation. Pop open the book. And it comes up to a verse that says, Luke 10, 37, go and do likewise. (laughs) You're going, man, am I so confused about God's word, you know, for me personally. I want to take it personally. But then, okay, one more shot, God. And then it shows up and it's John 13, 27. Whatever you do, do quickly. (laughs) Now, you understand the problem with Bible roulette? With taking too, being too uh, focused upon just getting a word, you know, just kind of use the Bible as like, oh, God, I just want a word from you. And just reading that. See, the first thing, the Bible, the Logos, God's expression to us, needs to be something that we have read and we understand the context and what's going on. And then it becomes Rima, not just starting off. The other problem is this for some people, though. On the other hand, I've known plenty of people who get laser focused on this whole idea of Logos, God's word. Basically, that God has this plan. This is basically just a textbook. I'm just going to read it and it never says anything personally to me. And that's a problem, too, because, you know, if it's just a textbook, it never says anything personal to me. I'll never desire it like dessert. I'll never see it tasting like honey. It'll just simply be dry and lifeless to me. See, God can and does speak to us today. He speaks to us through his word, first of all. He speaks to us through other people, sometimes through a prompting of a spirit, sometimes in a song or whatever. But we have to always go back to his word and ask, what does God's Logos word say to us? And direct us to do. Now, the question is, now what does all this matter at all? Well, the written word of God is is God's word whether we feel like it is personal or not. You know, I mean, sometimes I don't every day get a word for the day. But the issue is, it's not that I have to have a personal word every day. But God does speak. And he speaks to me from time to time. In his word through his word, and we still need to not just look for some kind of, you know, direction for today, but look for what is God trying to say to me that, you know, it might be used down the road or somewhere else. But the times when you're reading the Bible on your own or hearing something from the Bible or God's word in a message or a song or talking about something from the Bible in your small group, there's times when there is no, 
nothing that really like dessert. But there's times it happens, though, and it becomes sweeter than honey. And so the thing we have to understand is uh, some of us want, you say, well, I, I, I would like that experience. I would like to uh, uh, have this reading of Scripture as dessert. But how do I do that? I mean, a lot of people say, I don't even understand half of what I read anyway. So how does it become real to me? Let me give you, you know, the last three weeks we've talked about this. I want to go back and review real quick to talk about how well we can put all this in perspective today so that we can learn and, and let God's word become like dessert to us. Two weeks ago, we talked about eat this book. That was the title. And in talking about that, we talked about and looked at the passage of scripture where Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And you know how Jesus dealt with that in the wilderness? What did he deal with it? He knew God's word. He quoted God's word and he lived God's word in his response to how he lived life. One of the things, if we're going to allow God's word to become real and like dessert in our life, it starts with us realizing that God's word needs to be a staple of our lives. It needs to be something that we consume on a regular basis. It needs to be something that is meaningful to us. And so the first thing we learned was that that begins, it begins with understanding that God's word is not just something we go to in a time of need, but something we have every day like we need food. We need to consume God's word. You know, another person besides Jesus that understood this was a guy named Job. Remember Job in the Old Testament? Uh, the guy who probably needed more help than anybody I ever know in Scripture. He had so many bad things going on. But in the midst of all the bad things going on toward the end of Job, in Job twenty three twelve, he says this, I have treasured the words of his mouth, talking about God, more than my necessary food. He understood that God's word needed to be something that he consumed on a regular basis. That was the first, that's the first step in getting to the place where God's word becomes uh, like, like, uh, like a dessert. Secondly, last week we talked about uh, these famous words which we talked about earlier from Jesus, that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he was referring back to an Old Testament passage which we looked at last week where it was the Israelites in the desert and they were, they were eating this stuff called manna. And, and the manna was given to them in a specific way to teach them something. The manna was given to them and he said, God said, only gather enough for that day. And because if you gather too much and you, and you waste it, guess what's going to happen? It's going to rot, become rancid, full of maggots. That's what it says in scripture. Uh, and the next day, if you don't take it right, because he was trying to prove to them that we need God daily, that we need to depend upon him and his word daily. We need to have fresh Manna. We need to have fresh word from God on a regular basis. So the second thing is not only it's a staple, but it's something that we eat on a regular basis. We consume on a regular basis. And so we encourage you guys to, and, and something that we try to do ourselves, we're not totally successful with, I'm not uh, in regard to this, is to begin a process of having a plan to consume God's word on, in a regular way, either through a journal our Bible reading plan, we told you about a couple places, uversion.com online, where uh, I use it every day now, where I can personally journal online and nobody else sees it. Uh, it's just a way of consuming God's word in, in a way that, is, that is, keeps it fresh for us. Now, the reason that this matters is this. The more that I am experiencing God's word as fresh the more likely I'm to have those moments, those Rima moments, where God actually does personalize his word in my life. So how do we do that? 
Well, this week, you know, as we conclude this series, we're almost done. Let me just tell you, I want to ask you to take one step more. I want you to do three things that I believe God's word tells us. Three things that will help us to make God's word fresh and to make it sweet in our lives. Here's the first thing. And it's the word ask. A-S-K. Ask. You know, when I was a kid... I remember asking my parents for dessert. But and I, you probably asked your parents for dessert too, right? Nah, you never did. Yeah, I did. But so often their answer was, oh, sure. No, it wasn't that. It was no. Because they said, you know, you don't want to fill up on dessert. But even though sometimes they would say, no, eat all your other food. Guess what? It didn't stop me from asking. I was persistent. I was persistent in doing that. And the thing that I, that I understood was this, is that God, our Heavenly Father, wants us to ask. He wants us to come to Him and say, God, give me something from Your Word, something personal, something that I can hold on to. Help me to taste and see, as it says in Psalm 34. Or, or, or it reminds me of what Eli t- told the young boy Samuel in the Old Testament as he told him, you know, you know he, Eli and Samuel were talking about how Samuel could connect with God and, and hear a word from God. And guess what Eli told him? He said, Samuel, he says, speak, says, say this to God, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I would challenge you to do something that I try to do on a regular basis. It's get my attitude right as I go into the whole time of prayer and of reading God's word. And that's simply saying to God before I do anything else, it's simply saying these words. Speak to me, Lord. I'm listening. Speak to me, Lord. I'm listening. And you know what that means to me? That means when I say those words, it means, God, I am ready to hear whatever you have to say, and I'm ready to do whatever you tell me to do. It prepares our heart, our mind, but God will speak to us when we desire that in our lives. And the, the problem so often that God's word is not fresh and God's word is not like dessert to us is because we don't ask. We have not because we ask not. And the thing we need to do is start doing is asking God that his word would become fresh and sweet to us in our lives. Now, that's ask. The second thing we need to do is review. Review. I told you about a verse last week. Last week I was telling you about how God sometimes brings to memory in certain circumstances verses. Now, some of you think that's like supernatural. You've never read it before and all of a sudden you'll pop a verse into your head. Now, the reason God brought a verse to me, and I share with you a story about how John, uh, uh, God brought John 8.32, that verse that says, Then you will know the truth and the truth shall shut you free. I had read that verse before. Matter of fact, it's a special verse to me. And I've, that is a verse that I've reviewed over and over and over and over. It's like many verses in Scripture. So when a need came in my life, that, that verse just came to me. God brought it to me in a special place. And, and it became personal to me. It became real to me in that place. It became Rima to me, not just Logos. I would challenge you to do something. You know, I would challenge you to write down some stuff every once in a while. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but you know, I don't remember too much if I don't write it down. You know, I, you know, I, I, you know, kids, when I was in school, <laughs> you know, so my teacher would give me an assignment. If I didn't write it down, guess what happened? Oh, yeah, I, I forgot about that one. Didn't work too well. 
In my life, if I want to remember something, I write it down. At least write down the, the reference and say, this meant this to me. The journaling, that whole thing of journaling, it doesn't have to be writing down a whole lot. It's just writing down a little bit. When I journal, it's probably like one paragraph. But that paragraph is a reminder of what God has said to me in a verse or what he's done. And so I would encourage you to do that. And, and I would encourage you maybe, uh, if you want to remember certain verses that really spoke to you, became like sweet to you, maybe have a section of your journal and call them dessert verses. You know, I never thought about that. I was reading somebody else did. I thought, well, that's a cool idea. Dessert verses. I never thought about that. But review, go back and review those verses on a regular basis. And then finally refer, refer, you know, tell the people that you are close to and in community with, whether it be in your small group or an accountability partner or a spouse or your kids or whatever, share with those persons what God has been telling you in scripture. Because in doing so, you know, let me tell you, if, if I got a good dessert, I just told you about my favorite desserts this morning. I told you where to find one of them. Now, you can't go all the way down to Fort Myers today, probably, you know, unless you're really wealthy, you just want to fly down there real quick. But you probably can find some places in Peoria to have good dessert. You know, I'll tell you a couple of them. You know, and I will share them with you. Now, if I only had one piece of dessert, I might eat it myself. But, you know, if there's some place you can go and get it, you know. And God's word, it's, it's, everybody gets the opportunity to go into God's word. So the thing is, is that we need to understand is, is that God's word is, is best used and best kept alive and fresh when we share it with others. Now, obviously, sometimes, like dessert, uh, your, your friends don't have the same taste. Different people have different taste. You know, some people have good taste and some people just have bad taste. Y'all didn't get that one. Okay. But the issue is, the issue is, is that it's, it's, it's just different. And the point in sharing is not to have somebody agree with you. It's just to learn something from somebody else. And then they may learn, you may learn something from them that God has been speaking. Constantly on Tuesday morning, when I meet with my accountability partner and we share, you know, I mean, Carl will say something and he'll go like, I'm going like, I never heard that in that verse before. You know, and then I'll learn something from him. Hopefully he learns something from me every once in a while. But the issue is, is that we learn by sharing together what God is speaking to us. Those things that become like, like, like honey, like that are sweet, like a, like a dessert. So ask, ask God to show you key verses that become like dessert to you. Review, develop a way to keep track of these verses. Refer, share these verses with other people. Don't go it alone. Now, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen says this, it says, when your words came, God, I ate them, and they were joy, my joy and my heart's delight. Man, our desire, God's desire, his heart's desire is that his words will be like that. That they'll give us delight, that we'll, that we'll rejoice in them, that we'll, they will, that will bring us, uh, they will be like dessert to us. And then the verse today we started off with in Psalm 119, 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I would just challenge you folks. I just, you know, if anything else I could do to help you to grow as a Christian, to help me to grow as a Christian, the one thing I need to do more than anything else is stay in God's word and allow God's word, not just to be the logos word that I just study like a textbook, but as I do that and it, and I go through the different times of life, what happens is it becomes like the Rima word, the, the personal word. It makes a difference in my life. And that is when the word becomes like a dessert. Man, I just hope this week every one of you have a dessert verse that pops up somewhere. The only way it's going to happen, though, 
is that regularly you consume God's word and allow him to speak to you through it. That's a way to let God work in your life. That's a way to take the next step with him. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.